Mom, I got the job in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom, an official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job. Not everything is as simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com it. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ruin. I'm Hallie Kiefer. I'm Allison Livey. And we're here to ruin another horror movie for you in just like the most relaxing, soothing way in these troubled times. Would you say unprecedented? I, you know, I've never heard that phrase, but right I now I will use it and say— I think we coined it on this podcast. Yeah, feel free to use it, though. We are not going to yeah. ding you for a trademark. Yeah, but like we should. Okay, anyway. yeah, if everyone, every time you use the phrase unprecedented, if you could mail us a dollar, and no, we will not give you our address, okay? Because that would be doxing. You figure it out. You know what? You figure it out. You've got time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, no one's doing anything, but we're doing this. Anywho, but we are here to fight with you and also explain the premise of a horror movie so you could just feel like you're sinking into a bath, a warm bath full of blood. I was going to you know? say, sounds like a blood bath. Right, or like Freddy's hands is going to shoot up between your legs, which you hate to which see. you hate to see. And the movie we're doing this week is Jordan Peele's. I, I, I feel like when you have two movies back-to-back that people truly loved and also were kind of box office sensations, it's like he's, he's two for two. And the movie we're doing is, of course, his second film, the movie Us. Yes, which I have not seen. I did see Get Out. That is one of the three horror movies of I've seen in my entire 30-something years on this planet. And if I had a time machine, I would go back and slap you in the face so you wouldn't see Get Out so we could do it for the podcast. It would have been an amazing podcast to learn the twist. I'm excited to find out the twist in this movie. I feel like I know there is one, but that's all I know. Oh, you know there's a twist, baby. You know there's a twist. Otherwise, people wouldn't like it. So, yeah, so I love horror movies, and Allison hates them and is afraid. And yes. so we— don't, don't stutter over afraid. I'm terrified. I don't is, like them. Is filled with a deep horror. And as a result, I'm going to subject her to my explanation of the movie. And to kick it off, we had Allison watch the Us trailer. Give me your thoughts, Allison. I mean, it's a good trailer. Like, Jordan Peele mm-hmm. makes a trailer, you know? Absolutely, or, I mean, yes. whoever cuts his trailers really knows how to make a trailer because it is, like— as suspenseful as some films I've seen. <laughs> yeah. It's giving you everything, it, 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 but it leaves you wanting more. But also, no like, nothing. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't need to see, like, a wall of lab test rabbits hanging at. Like, I'm like, well, I don't know what that has to do with Elizabeth Moss saying it's vodka o'clock on the beach, but, like, I'm going to need to know the answer. Exactly. You're going to have to watch to find out. And so I'd also like to take a baseline scary, like I do in every episode, of what is your baseline feeling about doppelgangers? Oh, terrible. Here's mm-hmm. a very short and awful example is there is a right. woman who is walking around in midtown Manhattan right now that I call Allison 2.0. Oh, no, Allison, no. Because <laughs> I saw her. No. I was, like, I was working uh, doing ad sales data entry for USA Today while you I gotta. was like, as, I mean, it's like, I made it, you know, only in New York. Yeah. Um, I had this like terrible day job, like mm-hmm. when I was starting in comedy. 
And I used to go to, like, this awful coffee place and see this woman. And she would be, like, she looked just like me, but just, like, 15% better in every way. Like, her hair was just, like, shinier, but she still had long brown hair. She had, like, slightly chicer glasses. Like, she wore the same clothes as me, but, like, she was a little thinner. Like, they were a little nicer. Like, it was just, I used to see her all the time. And I would say that she has ruined my life, so. There is, like, devastating about seeing your double and immediately being like, oh, she looks better than I do. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm the ugly one. Like, right, like, she would turn around and see you and be like, oh, oh, you know. No, boy. then she has, like, a great day. She's like, oh, I'm the better one of the two. And I feel like, um, like, doppelgangers or doubles, the uh, the idea of, like, an exact double is is all over horror right now. It's always been, because it is such an unnerving idea. Mm-hmm. Well, like, twins are scary, you know? Twins it's like- are terrifying. How, do they, how does that happen? Why would nature do that? We <laughs> right. rig two of the same one? No, absolutely not. So based on what you know about the film and what you've seen in the trailer, what, what predictions would you make for the twist in this movie? I mean, I believe it'll be some kind of social commentary, as Jordan mm-hmm. Peele is apt to do and does well. Um Something about our own demons, which is why I particularly don't want to watch this movie, is like, I don't need to be confronted with the worst parts of myself, which is what I feel might be part of it. And uh, that's exactly why I stopped going to therapy, so. Right, yeah, Um, because it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You know, you're doing the work. And a lot of, (laughs) I think it's a lot of work is confronting your own doppelganger. Oh, God. I'm going to give this in advance, like, I think a a nine. Okay, great. Perfect. That's my prediction for, like, what it would be. We'll see if that holds up. I don't remember if we've ever done that before. <laughs> no, I like it. I like that you're so confident about how scared you will be. It's yeah. exciting. It is. I'd love to see how it corresponds to what you we think at the end. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, as we've discussed, written and directed by Jordan Peele. And just to give a few cast members, our main character is Adelaide. She's played by uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Her husband, Gabe, played by Winston Duke. And they have two children, Zora, played by Shahadi Wright-Joseph. And their son, Jason, played by Evan Alex. And of course, as you saw in the trailer, Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker play their white couple friend, Kitty and Josh. So these are our major players, right? So we open with a quote, and I love, if you're a listener, I love a horror movie with a quote. Oh, chilling. Have it put it right in my mind up top. And here's the (laughs) quote. There are thousands of miles of tunnels beneath the continental United States. Abandoned subway systems, unused service routes, and deserted mine shafts, dot, dot, dot. Many have no known purpose at all. Oh, my God. That, you can that. just, you can roll credits for yeah, that, sir. No, that's a full film. <laughs> I am, I have, I am playing out an entire film in my mind based on just that fact, and it is going to keep me up for days. Well, we're about to ruin this, that movie for you. Okay, oh, so we God. cut to, it's, it's 1986, and we cut to a commercial for Hands Across America. And while we were both born in the 80s, we both were too young to know what, I, I, I don't think I've ever really known what Hands Across America was. Just but, the reference. Yes, exactly. So basically the premise of it is people ch- uh, form sort of a human chain and a human, not a human centipede, but, you know, a platonic human centipede where um, everyone, the, the concept platonic is that Platonic human centipede. <laughs> where everyone's holding hands and we're stretching a human sort of, uh, you know, a daisy chain across the United States, coast to coast, to raise awareness to fight hunger in the United States. Now, okay. perhaps I, instead, 
some of the millionaires and now billionaires in America could have donated their money instead of making everyone hold hands to yeah, fight hunger. Touching? Like, what does that even do? It's what it's like, it's like a selfie challenge. Like, I'm just not sure, like, how then that does anything for the cause. And I guess we're now in a, in a situation in society where we're sort of really questioning that, where it's like, how does a selfie challenge fix any of these problems? Right, and also, I, like, the thought of just touching a bunch of people's hands... <laughs> It's so crazy and outside, like being that close to someone. I guess it's outside, so. Well, so now we we cut to, we're at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk and we meet little Adelaide. So it's Lupita Nyong'o's character as a child in 1986. She's there at the boardwalk. Their parents, Russell and Rain, her dad wins her a Thriller t-shirt and she puts it on and she's adorable and she has a little candy apple. But her parents are sort of like sniping at each other in a way where you could tell like there's like a brewing fight and the mom goes, runs off to the bathroom, and the dad's playing a game to win another prize. And so little Adelaide, who's adorable, I guess she's probably like five or six. I'm, again, I'm so bad with child ages. Oh, she, I mean, they're all one or ten. Like, it's just Yeah, it's so in the, their sort of, like, uh, bickering and then, like, their separation, she manages to slip away, and then she's just sort of walking through the boardwalk by herself. And she's too mm. young to do that. Way too, yeah, no, I'm already scared. Just about, like, the general mm-hmm. stuff that could happen to a child. And, yeah, it's at night. It's a boardwalk. There's, it's filled mm. with people, you know, screaming roller coasters, you know. And so we see a couple people, and we see one, an indigent man, holding a cardboard sign that says Jeremiah 1111. Mm. And here is the quote. Again, love no. a quote. Therefore— I, I mean, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Quotes are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, what do you—what do they mean? And, Allison, yeah. I'm going to have you keep this in mind. Therefore— okay. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So Okay. Also, anything religious is scary to me in general. Like, it's so just, like, judgy and also, like, implies, like, the end is near. Absolutely. And I think it's trying to, like, in many ways, trying to to contextualize things that aren't necessarily connected. And I think that this movie is asking you to do these things. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? And in this case, it's like, well, what do we take away from that? Who who is crying out to the Lord? Who who is God being like, I'm not going to step in and help them? We also see a couple playing rock, 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 paper, scissors, and they're both throwing scissors over and over again and being like, how is this happening? We, you know, we're still doing this. Right. So she finds a sort of a hall of mirrors that is called the Shaman's Vision Quest, and outside says, find yourself. So, oh of course, because it's a horror movie, she's going to go alone into the hall of mirrors, right? Yeah. It's, and it also started to torrentially rain outside. She goes inside. Of course it is. around, the power goes out, terrifying... Yep. And she see, she keeps running into her own image. And to sort of calm herself down, she starts whistling Itsy Bitsy Spider. Oh, God. That's so scary. Right. <laughs> whistling anything, a child, any child song being used in that way, like, there's just an eeriness to it. And it does really evoke, and I, you know, it's intentional because you see, like, certain things like, oh, like, the movie The Goonies is, like, on their TV stand. Like, it does mm. evoke that, like, 80s movies where, like, a child has an adventure and now they're suddenly in danger. So, yes. she, you know, she's by herself. She's our protagonist. And she she backs up into a mirror. And then she turns around. And as she turns, her reflection does not turn with her. So now she has turned and she is staring <sighs> at her own back, Allison. <sighs> you hate to see your own back. You know what I mean? Also, never want to see my own back just from, like, a body image situation. Oh, um, 
I had a one time I was I went to a store where they watch you run so you can buy running shoes and they make oh you watch God. a video of me running in jeans <laughs> from behind. And I was like, I will burn this place to the ground. <laughs> That's us too, New Balance. But also they gave me good shoes. So what could it be? I mean, all right, it works out, but like, was it worth it? You know, was it worth seeing yourself from behind? So Adelaide sees herself from behind and she opens her mouth to scream, cut to the credit sequence. We see a wall of white rabbits in cages with a few black and brown rabbits throughout. And it's sort of a, there's a lot of rabbit imagery and throughout the movie. And I think a lot of it, you know, again, this is solely my opinion, but that's sort of the point of, I think Jordan Peele's whole press cycle around this movie is like, he didn't want to answer the questions. He didn't want to be like, here's exactly what the rabbits meant. Here's exactly what this is. So for me, a lot of it does evoke sort of like the Alice in Wonderland, like a girl sort of seeing through the looking glass, literally. So we're now seeing these rabbits, and the rabbits are sort of like, you know, also evokes like scientific experiments and, you know, sort of the idea that like they're all identical. And they like multiply. Multiply, yeah. So I think he's trying to evoke a lot of stuff in like a dream or like a nightmare scape way, which I think is sort of the whole... If you're into that as a horror movie, you then you will like this movie. Also, it seems just like b- based on this versus Get Out, like this is so much scariness just like right at the beginning. Yes. Whereas like I think Get Out, like it really, t- I mean, you, there was like the abduction, but then it like took a minute to like get to all the scary. And I think you'd say like Get Out could even isn't even like like a thriller sort of. Like it yeah. is a horror movie, but it's more of a thriller. More of a this thriller. This is like abstract nightmare trying to like evoke things from you without making things exactly clear what's going on, which I I enjoy in a film. Yes. So, cut to, we meet Adelaide as an adult. You know, she's falling asleep in the passenger seat. Her husband, Gabe, who's like the dream dad, like goofy and funny and super sweet and like a great husband, blithely unaware they're about to go, they're entering a horror movie. Basically, they're going to stay at her mother's house. Her mother had died the year before, and this is their first time back in Santa Cruz. However, you find out they have not been back to the beach. They, they're, they're, the house is on a lake. They go on the lake. We, they have fun, but they have not been back to the beach okay. since Adelaide was a child. And we're going to find out why she, you know, doesn't like that. So they get in. Zora, they go to the house. Zora and Jason kind of run all around and, like, get settled. And Gabe says, you know, I think maybe we should go to the beach. Our friends, Kitty and Josh, are going to be there. And Adelaide immediately has this, like, tense, panicked sort of reaction. And we realize that she has not told Gabe. So he doesn't know about this experience that she had as a child. You know, we don't, the audience, know what happened yet. But she is like, I don't don't know if I want to go. He eventually talks her back into it. Sort of like, we'll we'll go during the day. We'll leave before it's dark. We'll go for a couple hours, you know. And she, I think we're supposed to believe, is like she does not necessarily have a full memory or a full understanding of what happened to her as a child. Because if she did, she, she would not go to the beach. No, of course not. If she was consciously aware of, of what, again, we find out later, there's no way she would go to the beach. Right. No, of course, yeah. Like, I, so many horror movies, it's like going back to, like, redo a traumatic experience. Exactly. Or, like, revisit or, like... Try and be like, no, it's fine. This time it'll be different. And it's like, it won't be. Right. And similarly, in a lot of horror movies, if you were to listen to yourself and listen to your, like, bad feeling, you would not go. You wouldn't go to the beach. You wouldn't move into the house. You wouldn't, no, you know right. what I mean? You wouldn't do any of this stuff. But because we as humans do that, where it's like, oh, I'm probably being irrational. And I, I had this experience. Yes. But, you know, it probably wasn't that bad, even though I, you know, haven't told my husband about it. 
And uh, we set up a couple things. Jason, uh, the son, has a magic trick that's like a trick lighter that he keeps trying to light, but he's not able to. And he also wears a Chewbacca mask all the time. Sure. And But you know what I mean? It's all pretty yeah. cute. And the daughter Zora is like on her phone all the time, and she's a track star, but she wants to quit because she doesn't care about it. She's never going to make the Olympics. So, you know, their their family dynamic is very stable and seems really positive. So it's not like, oh, you know, we're going to have divisiveness within within this dynamic. And right. while we're in the house, we flash back to Adelaide as a child. And it turns out after her trip to the into the Hall of Mirrors, she mm-hmm. stopped talking. And so oh, we see a scene of her parents great. bringing her to a therapist. And the therapist is like, you should encourage her to dance or draw or do any sort of creative thing to find out, you know, what happened because we we think she has post-traumatic stress disorder. I would love it if now the movie takes a left and it's like all interpretive dance about like what has happened. Well, there is a lot of it. So you're going <laughs> okay, to, that's we definitely really have a full dance sequence at a certain of point. Course. But, right. you know, and her father's like, how did she have PTSD? That's like, she didn't go to NAM. And we find out she was gone for 15 minutes and the parents themselves don't know what happened to her. And she can't Ugh. tell them because she has stopped talking. And wow. so as a result, she became a dancer. And, you know, she didn't pursue it professionally, but, like, throughout growing up, she was, like, a professional ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of her way of eventually working back. She speaks now, you know, sort yeah. of working through this trauma, which, again, we don't know what it is, but it's not going to be good. Okay. But it's not good. We also see that there's a closet that Jason accidentally, well, not accidentally, his sister kind of traps him in. And there's a closet that sort of locks from the outside, Oh, that mm-hmm. should never, mm-hmm. ever. The, if you move any, anywhere, there's a cloud that locks, any door that locks from the outside, you can't Rip get out. Rip that door off those hinges. Just get absolutely a new door, not. get a new lock. Don't do it. Yeah. Especially the children, lock. Yeah, no, absolutely no. not. Don't you are worth asking it. for trouble. So Gabe talks, Adelaide, and they're going to go just for a couple hours. Uh, meanwhile, she and Gabe, oh, Gabe has gone ahead and bought a little shitty motor boat. So it's like a fishing boat. I don't even, sure. I don't know boats. But it's not, like, a, such a huge, gigantic purchase that it, like, you'd think, like, well, why didn't he tell Adelaide? It's, like, some right. crappy third-hand, yeah. you know, it's called the Craw Daddy. And he, as he's showing right. them on the lake outside their cabin, the engine keeps breaking down. So it's sort of, like, this comedic, sweet, almost, like, 80s dad moment, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting ready to go, and they eventually go to the beach. And Zora says something that I think is sort of, setting us up to what the content of the movie is, Elzora says, did you know there's fluoride in the water that the government uses to control our mind? And no one, no. No one replies to her because they're like, okay. And she said, I forgot nobody cares about the end of the world. So sort of the idea that like there are forces at play that we don't okay. know about, but we all kind of just don't react to it. Yeah. So they go to the beach and everything's going okay and like, Maybe things won't be terrible. Maybe we're not in a horror movie. But we also see Adelaide is silently within herself panicking. You know, and sort of not able to put into words why exactly she's scared. So as they pull up to the beach, they see that same homeless person with the Jeremiah 1111 sign. He's being, on a stretcher, he's being loaded into an ambulance. And as we look, we see that he has been presumably stabbed and his front has been, is soaked in blood. He even has the same sign, which you'd think he probably had to make make a different sign. I mean, it's got to, at some point, get rained on and disintegrate, but sure. Exactly. And, I mean, the, the, it does look pretty bad, but I imagine they, they've they done it. And so they go there, and and Adelaide sees that, and, you know, sort of like her te- her anxiety is mounting about their visit to the beach. Oh, and the um, the Hall of Mirrors is still there, but it's been renamed Merlin's Forest, which makes sense because, like, the other one was sort of, like, 
playing on, like, Native American sort of stereotypes. Right. Like, even in the movies, like, we're watching the world kind of decide what's okay now culturally to do yes. and say. And, like, that's nice that there's progress. And so they so they go to the beach and they meet up with Kitty, who's Elizabeth Moss, and Josh, Tim Heidecker, and their two twin daughters, Becca and Lindsay. Twins. And Kitty and Josh are sort of the mirror image, if you will, of our of uh, Gabe and Adelaide, where they're constantly in each other's face. Like Kitty is like they're just constantly like arguing. Josh is like making fun of Kitty for drinking on the beach, and Kitty's like, "I hate you!" Like fighting in front of this <laughs> cool. couple, who ostensibly they just see like every summer. You know, like yeah. when they're in the area, they're like summer friends. Um, and meanwhile, their twin daughters, who are like teenagers, are kind of bullying Jason about, like, playing in the sand like a kid, even though it's like he is a kid, you know? Yeah. But, they're you know, they're kind of, like, nasty in a way that our family, main it's family, not. isn't. Yeah. And we also get a little more information, like, Kitty says, basically, you know, did you ever regret not dancing, uh, you know, like, as a profession? Right. And Emily's like, ah, you know, I really peaked when I was 14. Like, that was my best, you know, I wasn't going to go anywhere from there. I think that's, there. like, the concept of dance, is that you peak when you're 14. Right, that and, like, modeling, where I think yeah, it's, like— right. Or, you know, it's like, I didn't do it by the time I was 19. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Kitty, meanwhile, is talking about, like, she got some, she got plastic surgery done. And it's sort of like, she's sort of like, I was supposed to be an actress, but I got pregnant right at the wrong time with the twins, and it didn't happen. And they're just sort of, like, sloppier, meaner, sort of, like, in each other's, like, in an aggressive way, a contrast to our, our family. Yeah. So Adelaide's kind of like not really engaged in the conversation, but suddenly she realized that Jason is gone. Jason has disappeared from the beach. So, of course, oh, Adelaide, no. already super anxious, freaks right. out. She's screaming. She's running around. We know, as the audience, that Jason has just gone to the bathroom. Yeah. But while he's there, he sees a man in a red jumpsuit and oh, no. a long sort of camo-colored coat standing with his arms outspread, hands nope. across America style, and one of his hands is covered in blood, like dripping blood. Now, now you'd think that that guy on the beach would draw more attention, but not a lot of people are paying attention to him. I'll that say that really much. would stand out. As someone who went to the beach yesterday, I feel like I, if I saw anybody, even just in a jacket, it would have been startling. Right now, know? imagine that person is wearing a jacket and their hand is covered in blood, and they're standing just with their arms out, which is yeah. So Not great. as a result of, you know, suddenly like, oh, her fear of, you know, obviously connected to her becoming lost in that same area as a child, Jason, even though he's fine being lost, Adelaide's like, we have to go home. So she, they go home. You know, but even then, while they're there, she, her anxiety is clearly mounting, but Gabe is not really aware of it. So he's like, he's watching the twins game and like, you know, just like talking about, oh, like maybe we'll get fishing equipment, we'll fish off the dock and blah, blah, blah. And the kids are getting into bed. And there are all these coincidences that keep happening. So basically, like, you know, the, the time is 11-11. The Twins game, the score is 1-1. One one. Like, yeah. you see all these, like, weird parallels start to happen, and Adelaide is picking up on them. Like, something is happening. Yes. And I think we're supposed to believe that, like, basically that she is precipitating it in some way. Like, her return to Santa Cruz, or return specifically to the beach, is precipitating these coincidences. But she okay. doesn't know why, and we don't know why either. Right. But she's aware of them, and she is getting more and more like— And no one else is. No one else is aware. And finally, you know, she's putting Jason to bed, and she looks, and the time is 11-11, and she <sighs> sees that she, he's drawn a, a drawing of a man at the beach with a bloody hand. And oh so she goes in the room, and Gabe is like, oh, you know, maybe we could do this, uh, you know, whatever, blah, blah. And she says, right. we have to leave. I don't know what's going on, but something bad is happening. 
And Gabe's like, what are we talking about? Like, and, and you know, he knows his wife is, like, an anxious person who also does not speak a lot. Like, she's a right. very, soft, like, quiet qu- yeah. quiet person. So I think he's sort of like, okay, this is bringing up stuff about your mother, maybe, because this, this was her house and she died last year. Or, like, you know, because sure. she's never told him. So finally she tells him about going to the Hall of Mirrors and seeing herself. Oh, God. My whole life, I've... She's still coming for me. Oh, my God. You know, That's so terrifying. And Gabe's like, you know, I understand that it must have been really traumatic, but we're fine. Like, I'm here. You know, we've been to this house so many times. Like, this is, we're safe. Yeah. Allison, suddenly the lights go out. They're not safe. The power goes out. They're not safe. And Jason appears in the doorway and Jason says, there's a family in our driveway. And boy, they go and look. And Allison, there is a family in the driveway. There's two adults, two children. They're holding hands, hands crossed America style. Great. And Jason, you know, Jason, because he's a child, so he has like sort of connection, like a more of a connection to like the idea of like fairy tales and like scary stories. Like he's almost able to name what's going on better than the adults. Right. So he said it's a boogeyman's family. No. And it's sort of like like that that is what it feels like. Yeah. And that's awful. Like, I. Yeah, and the only moment where you have that, like, okay, so Adelaide is like, I'm calling 911, and she calls, and Gabe's like, are you really serious? It's like, no, let her call. This yeah. is bad. It's, call, like, yeah. no. If a child's like, oh, that's the boogeyman's family, and there's, like, a family you don't know standing at the edge of your driveway. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, and you're not even in your home, you're somewhere else. Like, yes. no, you call 911. You can't call 911 fast enough in that scenario. So Gabe goes outside, and it's basically like, what are you doing? You know, you have to leave. But it's not close enough to really interact with them. They do, mm-hmm. they they stay frozen. They do nothing. Adelaide calls oh the cops God. and the cops are coming, but it's going to take about 14 minutes, right? Oh, God. 14 minutes is a long time in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Gabe goes and gets a baseball bat and goes back out. And it's like, if you want to get crazy, we're going to get crazy. Essentially threatening them. Like, if you're going to sure. attack us, I will hit you with this baseball bat. The family charge essentially charges the house. Oh, my God. And Gabe is able to get back inside. But now they are all surrounding the house trying to get inside the house. The fa- the, the the adult male yes. from the, the family outside is, like, pounding on the front door. And the children are running around the house trying to get into the windows. Allison, oh I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do? What would you do? I mean, I think I would just find a gun and kill myself. There's just nothing good that coming next. That is your next. response to everything. <laughs> We're, you cannot do that. I'm taking that off the table. That's off the table? I can't just kill myself in the house? No. Um, not because I don't understand it, because it's too easy. You can't do it's it. It's too. Yeah, right, exactly. It's way too easy. Um, I guess, like, oh, God. I, I mean, like, could you call, like, and they don't know the neighbors. Right. But, like, why not call the white friends? That's a good question. Like, they're probably closer than the cops are. Yes, they in are. In terms we of, do like, know that. distance. So, like, get them involved. That's a, that's a great point. And I think, yeah, if you have anyone who's in your close proximity who could help, that's a great solution. Also, I would, like, maybe try and, like, set the smoke alarms off and, like, set alarms Ooh. off. Like, okay. no, like, enough noise that, like, people nearby would maybe be like, what's going on in that house? Like, we should... Yeah, think, and, like, and even if they weren't going to be able to come over and help... I feel like something like that would cause more chaos, which would help yes. you. 
Yes. Like, so those are yeah. my actual, those I mean, at the end of the day. excellent suggestions. Still would rather just die and not find Again, out what happens. Again, that is not, <laughs> that is off the table. We're not doing that. Also, you have kids and your husband or right, you know, your right, spouse. Right. Yeah. No, you I can't mean, just be like, I'm out. Your response to everything can't be, I'm going to kill everybody. You know what I mean? At least to, to watch the movie would be 20 minutes long. Yeah, of course. <clears> I would ruin all of the movies. Right. But yeah, those would be my... I would call the people nearby and then I would like start more chaos and sound to kind of Great. like scare them off and alert others that something is going on. Great suggestions. They don't do either of those things. Great. Of course not. Because otherwise <clears throat> there'd be no movie either. Yeah. In short order, all four are able to get in the house. They smash Great. the windows. You know, um, the the father of the doppelganger family is able to get the bat and he hits Gabe in the leg. Like, he basically beats Gabe with his metal baseball bat. Do we know that they look like them yet? We we are finding it out right now. Okay. So I know that from the trailer. Yeah. Like, you know. So they the family is sort of gathered into the living room, and they're facing their four exact doubles. And Jason calls it out. He says, it's us. So. Oh, Allison 2. If Allison 2.0 got in my house, I would kill her with a bat. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's, that is the takeaway of this film is that okay. there's no good doppelganger. Like, if yeah. your exact double shows up, you got to take care of them in short order. It's, yeah, yeah. Adelaide's doppelganger, who, so they, they all have names. Her character's not specifically named, but is named in the script. So I'm just, for ease, since they are doubles. Yeah. Adelaide's double is named Red. Gabe's okay. double is named Abraham. Okay. Zora's double is named Ombre. Okay. And then, not like the hair, but like, essentially sounds the same. Like, and yeah. then Jason's double is named Pluto. And so okay. they're sitting there, and they're all wearing okay. red jumpsuits, and Red has a pair of extremely sharp golden scissors. Ugh. Jason has, like, a, the Chewbacca mask, and so Pluto wears sort of a white cloth mask, like you'd have if you were a burn victim, over his face. Sort of cool. as the, I, yeah. you know. So Red starts to speak, and Red has, like, a very, like, you probably heard in the trailer, but sort of this like raspy, dysphonic delivery to her voice that I'm not going to try to do, but yes. it's super Good. spooky. Smart. <laughs> and she's the only te- she's the only person who talks. And what she she tells a little story, and it's, she starts and says, "Once upon a time, there was a girl." And the girl had a shadow. The two were connected. They're sort of the world above where Adelaide and her family lives and the world below where Red and her family lives. Like all those tunnels that quote told us about. Exactly. In those no, tunnels are sort of a mirror of everyone on the surface of the of America, at least. I don't I don't know if we'd think this is worldwide, but at least in America. In America. There are all people, right. and for everything that happens to the uh, person above, the person below has the same thing happen, except it's horrible. It's sort of like they experience all this pain that the person on the surface doesn't experience. So, oh, God. So they have to, you know, when Adelaide got Christmas presents, her double red had to play with, like, I can't remember what it was, but it was, like, knives or broken glass or something. Like, it was sort of like they're both spiritually and physically connected, where, like, their actions mirror one another. Not exactly, but obviously. In, right. But they, they are connected in a certain way. And— so Red explains this, yes. too. She tells it as if it's a fairy tale. And I think that's what okay. we're supposed to think is, like, this is her understanding of it. This is sort of the the story that she is telling about these people. And she's the okay. shadow of Adelaide. And then she says one, one day Red realized that they were being, all the tethered to being tested by God. 
And that's why they're rising up. It's like they sort of in a similar way, I guess, like the Jews in the desert or, you know what I mean? Like these like groups of people, sure. like, it's like, well, what if you're God's favorite, why would you be so beleaguered? Why would these things happen? And Red saying, it's because we, God was testing us. And now we have to do what, what we have to do in order for, to correct the system, which we are to understand is they have to kill their surface level, um, oh God, identical Tether, yeah. doppelganger yeah. and take, essentially take their place is our understanding. Okay. And so what you find out later is sort of that they, this was sort of, they don't say the government, but I'm going to say the government is sort of like the entity that created yeah, the idea of organization this. that is right. in charge. I, basically, the, the premise is what they're suggesting is like, they, they were trying to make doubles of people that the doubles would be able to do work or sort of be subjected to horrible things that then, then their, their original um, version wouldn't have to deal with it. But instead, okay. what they have done is create two people who essentially share a soul. Oh, God. So they are intrinsically connected. But then what that means is that the tethered version can never have its own life. It, it can only have this, like, mirror life of the uh, right. surface uh, yeah. people who aren't even aware that they're there. And, you know, that's the analogy, I think, that that is sort of what we're— It's like, what do people that we don't think of experience to our benefit? Like, what do we okay. get in it, right. whatever— cheap clothes, whatever, people who are, yeah. you know, food. I mean, it's absolutely what we're talking about right now exactly. in this country. So, so it's sort of like, what is, as people who enjoy life in capitalism, who are people, the people in capitalism who suffer? And that we yes. don't even think of them. We don't know their right. names. We don't know where they live, you know. Right. So I think that's When I buy something, of, it's not like, I'm not like one to one like what happens yes. to I don't the know the person who other version this. of, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's sort of the Oof, analogy that heavy. he started. And so the, the question is, what then if those people decided not only are we not doing this, but we are going to take our rightful place as the people yes. who get to enjoy life and, and yes. live on the surface. And Gabe is not getting it. And Gabe's like, do you oh. want the car? Do you want my wallet? Like, he's like, I don't know what you, because he doesn't understand what's Men. going on. And yeah. throughout, Adelaide is the one who's able to pick up on everything. She understands that they're there to, to kill them. Yeah. And at a certain point, Gabe asks Red, who, what are you people? And she says, we're Americans. Oh, so God. take that as you will. Yeah, that's so, a lot. So uh, Red handcuffs Adelaide to the coffee table. And you know what's in the cards, what's going to happen. Yeah. So all at once, all of the doppelgangers attack their corresponding person. So Abraham attacks Gabe, drags him outside to kill him. Ombre starts to chase Zora. Zora runs out the front door. So Zora, who's like a track Zora star. Zora is smart. She's like, I, I, this is the one thing I have. She books it down the street. Unfortunately, because she is also a runner, Ombre is also an incredible oh, of runner. of course. So they're yeah. sort of neck Great. and neck, you know. There is no escape. And then um, Pluto is chasing Jason around. And I think because he's younger, we're supposed to think, like, maybe he's more, a little more connected to Jason. So Jason's able to, like, sort of control Pluto's actions almost mm -hmm. and is able to get him into the closet where they are locked inside. Ends up getting to lock right. Pluto inside. So essentially, they're the each person in the family is being killed by their their doppelganger. corresponding doppelganger, in a way that is particular to them, you know. And mm -hmm. Red sort of is telling Adelaide, like, I've known about you in our mind since the time we met in the Hall of Mirrors. I knew that you existed. They didn't know, and I'm the one who sort of like informed people that like this was happening. I sort of was the one. Red was saying this to Adelaide. Yeah. So it's like, okay. we, I saw you in the Hall of Mirrors, and since that day, I've been planning this because I saw that you had a life that essentially I should have had. 
And Adelaide's like, please don't kill my kids. Like, I, I'm very sympathetic yeah. to this whole situation. This is not great, but like, you right. know, please. So um, eventually she and Jason are able to escape. Abraham takes Gabe out on the boat and is going to dump him into water and essentially let him drown. But luckily the boat sucks. Right. And so the an- engine well, dies out. And right as it restarts, they're both knocked into the water. And Abraham is sort of dragged away because he's accidentally tangled into some ropes. Okay. And so... So Gabe is okay. Gabe is okay. And then we sort of catch up with Zora and Ombre. And they are neck and neck. Like, Zora can't get away from her. And eventually they're on the either side of a parked car on some street nearby. And Ombre climbs up onto the, the car. And she's got her. Like, she's going to kill Zora. Uh-huh. When suddenly the owner of the car, some middle-aged white guy in his pajama, comes out. And he's like, what are you kids doing? You're on my car. What? Get out of the hell out of your car. I'm going to call your parents, you know. And in that moment, Ombre turns to him, and then she slices his Achilles tendon. Oh, my God. And attacks the man. And in that moment, Zora's able to run back to the house. Um, Slicing someone's Achilles. It's so violent. It's terrifying. So eventually, in through all this chaos, Gabe is able to get back on the boat. And in, in doing so, he is able to push Abraham, his doppelganger, into the boat's blade and kill him. So right. at least that's one doppelganger down. So Gabe's able to get uh, control of the boat, and he goes back to the dock, and the rest of the family is able to get on the dock, onto the boat. Okay. So you have this great moment pretty early in the movie where you're like, oh, they escaped. Now, obviously, is, you know, Red, Pluto, and Zora, they're still chasing them. But, like, right. they have a vehicle. Are they trapped on the lake? Yes. But they're able to go to a second location. Yes. The second location is, of course, Kitty and Josh's house. Yeah, you gotta. So we arrived there before the family it arrives there, and they've got this okay. gorgeous-ass house. Like, the house that um, Gabe and Adelaide have are sort of like, you know, this very quaint 70s wood panel, like, lake house. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. But then Josh and Kitty have these, like, ostentatious, like, the whole wall is glass, and it's, like, two oh, stories. Yeah. And they have, like, it's obviously supposed to be Alexa, but they call it Ophelia, I'm assuming, for, you know, rights reasons. And they're playing music or whatever, and they're still, like, bickering. And the Kitty, the power goes out at their house, but they have a backup generator. So we just flips out, flicks on and off. Okay. And Kitty's like, the generator's on, and I hear someone outside. Could you please go look? And Jess is like, I don't want to look. I'm drunk. I'm on the, I'm like really relaxed. Like, I'm just like in my robe. And so they're basically <laughs> arguing about who's going to go look. Ugh. And, you know, they're just the worst. Just the worst. And so they're bitching and moaning. And finally their twins come out, and, they, and the twins are like, what are we talking about? And they're like, go to bed. We have to get up really early. We just heard a sound. While the twins are standing on the on this landing of the stairs, uh-huh. their doppelgangers come out of a room and stab both the twins, and the, both Kitty and Josh get immediately stabbed by their doppelgangers. Okay, so, so they are this smart. is not specific to exactly Lupita Nyong'o's family. So we this now understand everybody a, has entire cultural uprising. Yes, that's this is yeah. This has been organized, and that all the people it, Since, yeah for like. Probably, like, 25 years. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, that's what we're to believe is, like, ever since sure. Red Red had this information that the other ones didn't have. Yes. There has been a fomenting revolution. They're okay. all planning. That's why they all have the same jumpsuit on. They're all— Okay. They all have the scissors. They're all going to kill the surface version of themselves and sort of take their rightful place in, in, in our— Oh, world. so the man who was holding in the coat holding mm-hmm. the scissors on the beach had killed the the guy with the sign. So the, the Jeremiah si- 11 Jeremiah 11, 11 sign. So he was the first person we saw. That who guy was doesn't killed. seem like he needed to die. 
Like, I don't think that he was, like, a better version of anybody. Well, that's a good question. It's like, it's it, it's sort of like if either one of us had a doppelganger and that person was like, because you exist, my life is horrible. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, that's, but it, even yeah. if that person's life is bad, it doesn't matter because theirs is worse. Yeah, so basically okay. the idea is, like, even if, like, you know, maybe this situation was engineered by the government or whatever this shadowy figures or shadowy organizations you want to say as but now it's a self-propagating system so like if if adelaide has a child her double had a child so it's like it can never end there's no way for them to independently get out of it other than at least to their understanding an uprising uprising, and uh just to go fucking ham on everybody so so as soon as they all get stabbed Adelaide and her family arrive at the house. So we know okay. that there are four doppelgangers who have just murdered this family, but they don't know yet. So they're pounding on the door, and they're like, are you guys home? Like, please let us in. You know, try to whatever, get help. Yeah. And so Josh's doppelganger, who is named Tex, and um, I know, and Kitty's doppelganger is named um, Dahlia. And so okay. there, so Josh's doppelganger, Tex, shows up, opens the door, and then Adelaide immediately realizes, because she's very perceptive like that. It's like, this isn't just some goofy-ass guy. This is his doppelganger. Yeah. So then it is pure chaos again. Gabe is being chased down by Tex into the into, into uh, Texas, into Josh's boat. And Adelaide is grabbed by the doppelgangers in the house. So now Jason and Zora have to try to help their mother escape. And there's okay. sort of this, like, just, this is a part is much more brutal and violent where they keep having to kill these doppelgangers. Like, Zora Zora has to kill both of the twins' doppelgangers. Oh, God. And she has to, like, club them over the head repeatedly with a golf club. She knocks one of them off the balcony. So sort of like this, the children are also losing their innocence. So in the same way that their mother had this traumatic experience, they are now having this traumatic experience. But also, they're doing a great job. Like, the fact that Zora, who's like a middle school girl, is able to take out two Teenage girls who are much significantly larger than her. She's doing a phenomenal job. Terrific. Uh, and then eventually Gabe is able to kill Tex, Josh's double, and, and okay. also in the boat. A- and the only one left is Kitty. So who is Kitty's double, Dahlia. Okay. And we see her sort of like trying to enjoy Kitty's life in this way where it's sort of like now that she's here, she's going to interact with Kitty. Kitty's life and the, using the information she has about Kitty. So, like, okay. she's trying to put on cosmetics and enjoy them like Kitty did, but she has no context for enjoying them. So she's right. just, like, smearing them around her face and kind of, like, trying to, like, it has no like meaning Like smiling? Yes, like, like smiling and laughing. Oh, God. You know, classic horror, you know, <laughs> smiling laughing in a mirror. And then she takes the scissors and she starts to cut her face. And I think that's supposed to be like, oh, Kitty got plastic surgery, so now— her double gonna, is is yeah. doing it because she's like, this is what the surface life is like. I'm going to mimic right. what they were doing now in the way that I've always been forced to mimic them. In the end, however, they are able to kill Kitty's double, Dahlia. So they have okay. killed the entire doppelganger family. And they okay. are now in the house. But the other three, like their own doppelgangers, are still out Still there. out and about. I guess Great. we're just to think like they have not been able to get to the house yet. Okay. But they are... On the hunt, and they're they have no nothing else to do but try to hunt down the family and try to kill them. Yeah, Red, Pluto, and Ombre are still trying to kill the family. So then they have sort of this argument about what they should do. Gabe is like, we have a house, there's a generator, there's food, there's water. We should just stay here. Adelaide says, yeah. We have to go to Mexico, we have to get out of the country. Like these things think like us, 
they know us. They're going to, we're connected to them. They're going right. to find us. Even if they don't know literally where we are. They'll find you. We like, are connected in a way that they will be able to locate us. As evidenced by the fact that they came to her mother's house. Right. They were able to find them there. So it's like, it doesn't matter what we, we have to get as, create, create as much distance as we possibly can. If not, what we have to do is we have to kill them. Yes. So they're sort of having this conversation. Oh, they keep calling the cops. And 911 is flooded with calls. So they oh, came and get this is happening through. to everybody. Exactly. That's when they suddenly realize, wait a minute, it's not just us and it's not just uh, Kitty and Josh's family. They turn on the TV. It's happening everywhere to everybody. Oh. And they're all these, and we see that all the tethers are holding hands and creating sort of that Hands Across America line. Oh. And they're all wearing red jumpsuits. Obviously, the people, the reporters are like, is this a terrorist action? Is this like a performance art? Like, is this like a right. new, is this like a cult like, yeah, I mean, if you turned on? on the TV and saw that, like, what would you think is happening? <laughs> exactly. And so they say, and so Ellie's like, we should take Josh and Kitty's car. We just have to go. We have to get mm-hmm. out of here because they're they're here. They're near us. If they're near us, they will be able to get it. And I, I do wonder about that, if they would have been able to stay in the house and fight and kill Red and Ombre and Pluto. Would they be, yeah. have been able to do that? They might have been. And if so, it seems like... They would be okay, but I'm also not clear on whether or not, let's say, you have another double, w- would they kill you as a surface person? Once, right. once you, they've like killed you, their designated someone person. Someone that's not tied to them. Yeah, because it, yeah, like, it seems like uh, Kitty and Josh's why doubles, would you? They, w- they were definitely willing to fight them, so I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Gabe, Gabe realizes that Adelaide has some insight into this that he does not have, so they all go to get in the car. They run out, and they realize we don't have the keys. Adelaide runs back in. And one of the twins' doppelgangers is not dead. She is up, out and about, and she attacks Adelaide. Ah. And Adelaide has to stab her to death with the doppelganger's own scissors. Oh, my God. And she turns, and she sees that, like, Jason has seen it. And she did what she had to do, but it's sort of like seeing, realizing that your parent is not, is also terrified and, like, capable of a lot of violence. Yeah, that would be very scarring. That's not just witnessing, like, violence. That's witnessing your own mother. Exactly. Killing a teenager. So so they finally get the keys to get in the car, and as soon as they do, Ombre, Zora's double is there, and she clamors onto the car. So they are driving, and um, Zora has forced herself into the driver's seat because she's like, Mom is still handcuffed, which she is. Yeah. And the, Gabe has been injured from being beaten with the bat. So neither of them yeah. could really drive. So Zora's like, I'm old, 15 or whatever. I'm, I'm able to do it. I'll figure it out, yeah. So she's driving. and That but, being your first driving experience. <laughs> she, she knocks it out of the fucking park. She does an incredible job. Good for her. And she's driving, and she keeps stopping the car to try to knock Ombre off the car. And finally, she speeds up. And she, they're sh- speeding through the dark. And she slams on the brake, and Ombre flies into a tree. And Adelaide gets out to make sure that Ombre is dead. With the implications, like, if she isn't, then um, Adelaide will Um, murder her. Yeah. And she gets there, and Adelaide is broken. Like, her body is broken, but she's still alive, and she's dying, and she's just laughing. Oh, my God. Right. Laughing is too scary. And trying to, like, kind of weakly grab at Adelaide, but not not too hard. And then she's dead. So we know, so two of them are now dead, and the two that are still alive are Red and Pluto. We don't know where they are. They are not in the same area with them. So they go to drive out of town. And as they're driving, dawn is just starting to break. So let's say this. So it's all started right before midnight. So this is now, you know, 6 a.m. or whatever. Dawn is breaking. And as they are driving through town to get out of Santa Cruz, there are bodies everywhere. Like the street is littered with bodies. 
and in the distance they can see the line because Santa Cruz is where the, the line of tethered hands across America people are. Oh my god! And they're just standing there, and some of them are even in the water, like they're submerged up to their necks in order to get to the very end of the bank. So as they're driving, uh, they go and they're trying to drive out of town, and there is a car blocking the road, and it's on fire, and it is of course, of course their car. And they drive up, and we see that Pluto has set the car on fire. And he he has the same little lighter trick that Jason does. Except it works. Except it works. <laughs> yeah. And so I think the idea is, like, he his face is burned underneath the mask. So I every see. time that Jason played with that little fake lighter thing, the, his that doppelganger burned. was burned. Oh. So now he is... He's, he's disfigured in the way that I guess, like, Jason would have been in an alternate reality. Right. And then something happens that I don't exactly know how to explain this because we've seen, we've seen intimations that, like, their behavior is mimicked immediately by the um, doppelganger. So, like, jo- uh, uh, Gabe will push up his glasses and, and Abraham will push up his, as if he had glasses, which he doesn't have. Yeah. But at the same time, like, the doppelgangers, the tethered, planned this whole revolution independently. Like, the people in the service didn't know about it. So it's not like they're, yeah. it's not like they're one-to-one mimicking their actions, you know? So I'm like, yeah. okay. okay. Yeah, so, that is a little... Yeah, so Adelaide gets out of the car to, to kill Pluto, and Jason realizes, oh, it's a trap. And they look, and there's, like, a line of gasoline on the road. And the, with the implication being that Pluto's going to set the gas on fire and blow up their car so they can't escape town. Right. So instead, what Jason does is he walks backwards, forcing Pluto to walk backwards into the fire of the burning car. Oh, God. Now, using that logic, wouldn't they be able to stop all of them from killing, doing yeah, anything? Yeah, you yes. would just, you, yeah, that would, I mean, that's, yeah, that's tough. You I know, mean, and I want to be It clear, doesn't work perfectly, exactly. but I'm still fine and with it. And it's a fairy tale. And, but that's the only moment where I'm like, all right, well, using that logic, you could right. then control everything they do and prevent this from right. happening. Pluto is dead, but that distracts them long enough that Red is able to grab Jason and take him down into the tunnels. Okay. So I've got to ask you now, Allison, who is going to survive? Who will survive? It's a pretty high body count, but so far most of the bodies— This is a high body count. I would say— believe in those kids both needing to survive. So mm-hmm. Jason and Zora. Yes. So those two. and th- But someone has to die. I want it to be red. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sad that it might also be, what's the husband's name? Gabe. Gabe. I, 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 I see where you're coming from and I respect that. And I also had the same feeling watching this. So I'm like, oh, those kids, oh. we can't have the kids ga- die. And the I, kids can't and, but, die. And Gabe is like the sweetest husband, like father. You're like, I oh, know. he didn't do, no. he didn't do something wrong in the way that a horror movie would punish you. Right. You know Where you're mean? just like, yeah, good. Like he did cheat on his wife with the secretary. Like exactly, he's just like a yeah. nice dad. And even like Josh and Kitty, it's like, okay, they weren't terrible people, but they were like noxious like, yeah. just being around them. You're not like, sad when they go. Yeah. Like, and in the are, way that... Exactly. They are being punished for who they are, in right. some sense. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com streaming. NetSuite.com streaming. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. 
We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Say big on Menard's great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. If you've got a thirst to put the world on notice, Sprite's for you. Whether you're shooting a masterpiece on your phone, filling notebooks with sketches, or turning your bedroom into the booth, keep going. Obey your thirst. Sprite. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. So Adelaide goes down and she's going into the tunnels and she basically just takes like all these sub tunnel. Oh, she goes to the, um, the hall of mirrors and she goes to all these like maintenance tunnels and sub basements. And she just keeps going down, down, down until she gets to an escalator, which I really like. There's an escalator, (laughs) like a hundred feet underground. And she takes the escalator down into these sort of white institutional in a very eighties way hallways and we okay. realize these are the tunnels where the tethered have lived. And they've also released all the rabbits. Oh, yeah. Have. I was going to say, the rabbits have to be coming at some point. Basically, they eat the rabbits because the rabbits are, like, self-propagating. So the tethered just live on these generations of rabbits that um, live underground. So Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, that, that, listen, that, may, that it's makes not, sense. It's not the worst idea. <laughs> like, no, no. I mean, listen, I don't, again, I don't know if it was the government or who set up the system. It seemed right. to have, it worked to a certain degree, and then it stopped working entirely. Yes. So she goes and she finds Red in a classroom. So it's a classroom with all these open cages, and Red is sort of waiting for her. She knew that Adelaide that she'd would be coming. Yeah. And she gives, like, she's this, and Lupita Nyong'o is an incredible actress, and she's, she's okay. she has all these, like, wonderful monologues, and she is this line where she says, how it must have been to grow up with a sky. And it's sort of like, <sighs> we're humans, too. And obviously right. we know that, because it's like they have children, you know, they, it's like they yeah, have yeah. to eat. Like, we're humans, but we have to live down here, and you have to live up there. And... I think we're to think even Red, who is, like, the most knowledgeable of the tethered, even she doesn't have all the pieces of, like, why did somebody make this? Who made it? Right. Who? I also yeah. don't fully get how it happened. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to think— <laughs> It's almost like— um, Yeah, it's, like, metaphysical almost. Because yeah. it's not just a science experiment where they're, like, psychically connected. It's— Right. It's operating on, like, almost a supernatural level, but that's not specifically said— Right. But yeah, they are they are intrinsically linked in a way where like they can't exist without the other one. Right. Is what we're suggesting. Or the tethered can't. I I, I don't know. Yes, I agree. Once you get to the weeds about this, and, and that's what, it does kind of lose a little bit of the th- I mean, like I still really like it and it still absolutely. sounds really scary, but you know, you do pull one thread and the whole sweater could fall apart. I think like someone someone wrote a review of this where they're saying like us is basically a two hour long Twilight Zone. And I feel like if you look at it like that, I, I enjoy okay. it a lot more. Yes. That's a great perspective. You're not going to get all the answers. There are things at play that we don't are not going to explore. 
we just have to accept. And I think yeah. that if you just accept that this is true, then yeah. it makes sense. Because I also have questions like, well, where'd they get their those jumpsuits? Who made right. those yeah. scissors? You know, right. those kinds Let's, of like yes. logistical Lo- questions. Logistical problems. Yeah, logistical questions where you're like, but what's the chain of manufacturing that led to like, the, like where do those people live? Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and so, you spiral out. But yeah. I like it. And so Red says like, I think God... God brought us together. Like, she she decided to go to the surface, and she interacted with Adelaide, and she said, I think that this was intended to happen. Like, that's the only way I could rationalize why we live like this and why God would punish us is, like, I was supposed to meet you and then understand that it's our turn to go to the surface. And Adelaide, meanwhile, is like, please do not kill my son. Where is my son? Yeah. Just, okay, just, I got to get my son out of here. That's all I ask yeah. for you. And we see that the reason that Red has sort of become like the revolutionary or like the messiah almost of the tether is that when Adelaide was dancing, like she was this incredible dancer. And so there's this moment when she's 14 where she puts on this like incredible um, dance recital. Yeah. And in the tunnels, Red also performs. I think we're supposed to believe like they're somehow both unique. So it's like Red was unique and was able to perform without having to any experience or knowing how to do it. And people then started to look at her as like, oh, she's, we need to follow Special. her. Yes. And because she had been to the service and interacted with Adelaide, her influence was going to be like, we're going to have this revolution and we're not going to live down here. So you see this sort of like mimed uh, dance number, like you were alluding to earlier, yes. where you see them, you see <laughs> one in the Good. tunnel, one above, and they're sort of dancing the same dance and sort of how those things played out in their own life. Right. And, you know, Red's like, I found my faith, and I began to prepare. It took years to plan. Everything had to be perfect. I didn't just need to kill you. I needed to make a statement that the whole world would see. And Red basically kicks Adelaide's ass. <laughs> like, she's just, like, <laughs> kicks her into a desk. Like, she's just, because she knows every move. So Allie's trying to right. hit her with a fireplace poker she's been carrying from the original house. And she, she can't do it. Red is too quick. She's too, she's too aware. They're too aware of each other for her to really right. fully be able to, to get her. And then finally, Adelaide stumbles into, they all sleep in these big barracks of, like, um, bunk beds. Yeah. And she whips around, and Red's rushing at her, and she's able to stab Red through the chest. Okay. And as Red dies, this is well, this is a phenomenal moment in a horror movie. It's like, Red is dying, and you think she's going to give, like, a monologue or whatever, because <laughs> she was doing a lot of them. And so she yeah. starts whistling Itsy Bitsy Spider, which is like, again, she heard that in that yes. initial interaction while, like, blood is coming out of her mouth. And she's oh like... Oh, my God. And as she's doing this, Adelaide strangles her. So it's not like she's letting Red die. She's like, I have to make sure she's dead. So she's, like, killing and strangling her and, like, laughing and grunting and sort of, like, she's becoming like them. Like, she's becoming yes. almost, like, wordless in in having to commit this, this murder. Horrific murder of the mirror of herself. Exactly. And, and we realize also that Jason is in a closet. So he always oh, in a locker. So she gets him yeah. out. And he's either, if not seen, at least heard his mother kill this woman. Yes. So he is now, like, had this trauma as a child that is never going to leave him. Of course. But she's able to rescue him and he's okay. And they get to the okay. surface and Gabe and Zora, they've been, they're hiding out an ambulance that they've found. Okay. And they they go to the surface, and they are able to escape. But of course, Allison, as they drive out of town, what do we realize? What is the twist? 
that's the twist. Are the ambulance drivers other tethered no, people? No, there are no ambulance drivers. Gabe is, oh no, uh, Adelaide Oh, is they're driving. driving. They just found I an see. abandoned uh, ambulance oh, that was I still see. running. Yeah, so Adelaide, it's just the family. They're all, of course, shell-shocked. Adelaide's I mean, driving them out of town. Clearly one of them is, like, not the right one. Well, which one is it? The kid? It is uh, Adelaide. Jason? Oh, it's Adelaide. But it turns out that she was never the right one. So in that, that in okay. the initial interaction Ooh, with goosebumps. her double, they switched <laughs> as children. So I see. Yeah. So the the Adelaide that we have known through the whole movie, she is actually the doppelganger. Okay. And this has been the attempt of like the real Adelaide to yes. reclaim her life. Yeah. And that's why I think we're to believe like she was able to speak. She was able to, like, sort of do things the other tethered weren't capable of. Yeah. And if that hadn't have happened, then this never could have happened. And then, because then I was like, well, then also doesn't it imply that, like, like, Red, the original Red, who we know as Adelaide, that she is also special because she took the initiative to go to the surface with she, uh, as a child, which right. the other ones do. But I guess we think, yes, like, they're both special. They're both special. And and they're connected. And the only reason that this ever happened is because they switched. And the only reason they switched is because they— They're special. It was almost like they were intended to, which is, I think, what all the God, you know, reference and biblical references like. Yeah, so, like, what's the moral of— the, Or, like, the—what, like, you know, well, obviously hear, we talk about, like, Jordan Peele having lessons and, like, giving social construct around, like, certain things, yeah. Well, I just would say that as, as we sort of pan out, we also see that there's, like, the thread of tethers holding hands stretches across America— and I guess I would say to you, Allison, what do you think the the, the lesson yeah, is? What do you yeah, think the moral I mean, is? I really liked your capitalism analogy earlier, so I just feel like it's probably to unpack, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, how terrible American capitalism is. And you know what? I, I Googled a lot, and, and I feel capitalism. like there's a lot of, like, oh, here's what it might mean, or here's what I think it means. Yeah. But not so much that I wanted to, like, mention a lot of those, because I feel like this is very intentionally, you don't know. And yeah. you're not supposed to really fully understand it. And you're sort of drawing what you want from it, which I understand is maybe not for everybody. I almost personally feel like I needed to know less or mm, I needed mm-hmm. to know a little bit more. Yes. I think if this Wait, been, how did we find out that it, Red and Adelaide were not, like, what, how did that twist reveal itself? We see a flashback. Of, oh, 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 I see. That yeah. they, that. Red as Red. Adelaide. That she essentially took, and she knocked out. Adelaide, young Adelaide, took her down down to the tunnels, handcuffed her there, and then took her Thriller t-shirt and went back up. And that's why when she returned, she couldn't speak. She couldn't speak. Because she had never learned. But yes, that that does require a lot of initiative on the uh, yeah, part of a of child. A fi- of, a, of a mute five-year-old? Who like, has yeah, only that's... lived in the tunnels with other people who we were to believe have been driven insane by their life of torture and torment. Right. I almost feel like, and this is just my opinion, I, I still I still enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really well made. I thought the action was incredible. I almost feel like it should be more like a fairy tale and just have it be like, we've always been here. Like, right. we, don't, yeah. we don't know who created us. This is just how it's always been. That will, I almost feel like knowing a little bit less would have allowed me to be like, okay, that, all right. Yeah, you know? then you just kind of buy in and you're like, yeah, this is what it is. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and, like, try and figure out how close this world is to my world. Yeah, and I don't, you know, and I, I'm someone who does get in the weeds about, like, well, where'd they get their clothes? Who, Me too. What do the rabbits yeah. eat? You know, and yeah. I think the, the point of it is, like, <laughs> that doesn't matter. It's supposed to be a fairy tale where you don't, those issues are not right on the surface of your mind. Yeah. Okay, so my question is, as we ask every episode, can you, what would be a, a fatal mistake? Fatal mistakes. I mean, 
keep track of your kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For Adelaide's parents, like, five-year-olds shouldn't wander off when you're fighting. Mm -hmm. Then all of this could have been easily avoided. Absolutely. But there's no movie. Um, That's a big one. Uh, I feel like for me, it would be like, I think it was a mistake for the tether to go with scissors. I understand the symbolism of it, but that's a hard weapon to fight with. And they are, after all, they're not supernatural. They don't have abilities. Like, it's just somebody attacking someone with a big pair of scissors. That's tough. You're not going to win every time. But, like, what other... What would they have had? A gun. I don't, I look, I don't know. Uh, see, I, now, now people can have guns. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That, again, that's what makes you then question, like, well, if they, get, yes. if they got a, all these de- beautiful, I would say delicious, delicious yeah. golden delicious scissors. scissors. Clearly, like, somebody either found them or made them for them, or they right. made them. And if so, if they could make that, ergo, could they make a gun? Right. Yeah, that's fair. Or just a knife. A regular knife seems easier yeah. than a pair of scissors. Right. And then I was trying, I wanted to ask, like, I wanted to design our own tether. So the tethers have, like, a really fabulous look. Where it's like a okay. red jumpsuit. Yes. One leather glove and then a pair of golden scissors. So it's matching, like, if you had to design their okay. outfits. Which, again, they did a great job. That's not to say, like, red yeah, makes they, bad that choices. That seems so, like, utilitarian. Exactly. I do like a jumpsuit for an uprising. I do. It seems comfortable. It seems like yeah. you can get it all different sizes. I would go it's blue. Like, it's going to work for everybody. Exactly. Yeah, I love blue. I mean, even like a black or a gray, you know, let's stay in the neutrals. Exactly. It's going to look great on everybody. And also like you don't like, I don't know, a red jumpsuit does kind of, even though I know it's a dark red, like stand out in a crowd. I Like I would go for something that might blend in more. Right. And I guess we're, we're to think that they, the reason it's red is because the Hands Across America people were red. Right. So they oh, were trying right. to draw on that imagery, and that was that was what was on Adelaide's shirt. Not the mm-hmm. thriller shirt, the shirt she was wearing to the actual boardwalk was Hands Across America. So I think yeah. we're to think, oh, they the tethered see her as this messiah. They're drawing, and they were like, this is our yeah, this is our imagery. Cult, yeah. I'm gonna go. I really like the idea of like um, like an electric saw, like you use on like Thanksgiving. Like something oh, that's sure. really, or even a chainsaw. Well, what, are you pl- what are you plugging that in? You're I right. Mean, I guess they, they, I bet they have handheld ones, but yeah, I'm going yeah. chainsaw. You're keeping batteries, you're charging it constantly. Yeah, I'm seeing like a royal blue with okay. like a jumpsuit still with a chainsaw. And that's what, how I'm going with it. They're going to have a glove? I'm saying two gloves. Two gloves. Well, better for grip, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And like, just like not leaving, I don't know. I feel like uh, you could still get, you know, convicted and prosecuted or like prosecuted of crimes if you're a tethered person, if you come up. So let's not have uh, fingerprints on everything. And then my final question to you is, if you had to fight your double, Allison, how would you win? Like, how would you fight yourself? Probably assuming that she has the same weaknesses as me, Mm -hmm. which is spine problems and like... It being inflexible. (laughs) I'm wondering if there's something, like, I could just, like, knock her over. I like Like, if I fall down, it's a crisis. So I would just probably knock her over. She'd be stuck. Her Her back would go out. She'd be on the ground. I'd be able to walk away. Yeah, just really, like, like wax your floors or, like, get her over a patch of ice. I think Yeah, oh, no, I spilled this water. Yeah. That's... I, I what would you do? I I have no upper body strength. So I think if I was able to, like, somehow get her out on the ledge... Or like in a tree or mm. something. I think mm-hmm. yeah. she, the gravity would take care of things for me. Yeah, she's not. She's not going to be hanging anywhere for a while. No, no, no. So that yeah. yeah, that would absolutely be the way my way to go. I get on the roof, you know. Yeah, I should probably start working on my body check now in case this happens. Do you live on the first floor or the second? I live on the first floor now. Oh, okay, good for you. Yeah, no. So I should be good, um, <laughs> unless this happens. 
Yeah. And then finally, Allison, on the scale of one to ten screams, how spooky did you find this film? A spooky scale. I think I want to stay with my initial prediction and give it nine screams. Great. Absolutely love it. It seems like it was super violent. Yes. The, like, not knowing what's going on mm-hmm. is a bit where you're just like, wait, that's me? Who's that? What's that? Like, that's very scary. And then, like, the general, like, I think that anything that has a message is scary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no matter what the message is. And anything, you know, like, when you pan out and find out that this is happening absolutely. everywhere. Yeah. That you're like, it's not just this, like, isolated, terrifying, violent yeah. ordeal. It's like, this is the world. Yeah, that's my absolute that's favorite. That's so scary. I'm going to give it a seven. I think it was really well done. A lot of spooky parts. I enjoyed it as sort of the fairy tale nightmare scape it was. But I'm someone who really likes like a real life. Like I like a serial killer. You know, I like I like a. I'm scared of a situation that I think could happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas this yes. was like, okay, well, probably, knock on wood, this yeah. is not going to happen. But if it does, well, um, we'll definitely cover that here in another yeah. episode. Yes. When there's an actually the tethered uprising, we'll definitely come Oh my back. God, it's like the tethered versions of us are just doing this podcast. Oh, oh <laughs> no, God. I probably have so many more listeners. Everybody's like, but they're so likable. Oh my God. Well, then we're going to have to kill them. Guys, we're right. coming for you. And we're for coming for you. Thanks so much for listening. And join us again for next time we have a new episode of Ruined. Until then, I'm, you know I'm going to tell you. I know you're going to make me. Keep it spooky, baby. Keep it spooky. Bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. A car is never just a car. Kelly Blue Book knows it's so much more than that. It's your commuting chariot, your road trip refuge, your I just need a reason to get out of the house. Your car is there for everything. And for everything car, there's Kelly Blue Book. Need a new set of wheels? Price it on Kelly Blue Book. Problem under the hood? Fix it with Kelly Blue Book. Can another car do the job better? Trade it or sell it on Kelly Blue Book. We're here mile after mile, moment after moment. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com. Visit kellybluebook.com to get the journey started.